Alright, alright, today we are with the legendary Tak Mani for yet another episode of Put Me On and we're so uh, glad to be in the company of greatness uh, as well as in the company of Chinget. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Very good. So, if you may introduce yourself to, to the audience, who is Tak Mani, what has he been up to, when did he start, where does he come from, where is he going? Okay. Um say I'm a junior, Dara na mom's supported my shit ever since like the get-go. And uh, I think I joined uh, the Children's Performing Arts Workshop when I was like six years old, mainly because my mom was a teacher at a school, Blackstone Primary School, and there was Chipawa there, so you know, weekends and whatever. And since I was six years old, I've been introduced to the stage, dance, music, theater, and I would say my, my main background is like theater and stage, and from there, I got to a space where then I started, you know, meeting other creatives and collaborating with other people to a point where I learned that I could rap, I learned that I could write my own music and all that stuff. And fast forward high school, my headmaster's son, uh, Tash Manomai, who's also my best friend and my producer, um, we started making beats. Tash Manomai and Primo, those guys were making beats. And there was me and another friend of ours called Phonetic. We were rapping and we were cool. And ever since then, you know, we've just been making music. We've just been trying to push and trying to keep it like on um, on just that level. We make music with the people we vibe with. We make music because we vibe with it. And we talk about shit that we feel like is cool and we want to talk about. So, yeah, uh, fast forward after high school, then Tash Monomai went and studied music and sound design in... Uh, Malaysia and I was studying film and you know pursuing my theater career and all of that when he came back we set up a studio at um, at uh, Patsime Trust and uh, you know he was doing most of their radio uh, dramas and all of that and then we were also working on our music and that's when Studio Felonies came up and that was Takmani, Tashmonomai, Bola, T-Gons uh, Gold Furnace and uh, Mitch Murs and uh, we released a collection of singles 2016 uh, nominated for Best Crew or something like that Hip Hop Awards and then 2017 you know everybody then went like uh, solo so like from the tracks that had popped from the collection so you have Anajenu and then you know um, I was already now working on what was going to become Chepa Jecha so we had singles coming out like Dautika Jive Jiza and then we had events going on because you know we're friends with Anna Joey Lion Anna Chronics so like Rhapsody and um, you know a bunch of like stuff it's just that I was on a lot of two keys and weed those days so like <laughs> some stuff might be blurry but like yeah there was a lot of like um you know, pulling up for each other because a lot of our boys were also doing events, you know, motor action on the roof, basement, and you just want to pull up and perform. And I praise old, yeah, you know, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. So 
that also gave that vibe to like okay so we're also trying to get out there into the streets into the people and all of that and then um yeah i released jepa jecha late 2017 and then that was also like my time for people to also be like oh okay so this guy as a solo artist there's also like a body of work that's now you know regarded as one of the classics and as far as i'm concerned i'm cool with that because it's not like a commercial album it's like something for hip-hop heads it's something for your for somebody who really appreciates you know street uh hustle you know some yeah some realness yeah yeah so after Chepa Jecha, I also then worked on uh, Gwanda Rules with Fizzle, which was within the same like six months of releasing Chepa Jecha. And then within that year, again, released uh, Gwanda Rules and a um, bunch of performances, you know, Shoko Festival. I don't know, man, like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, and then, uh, yeah. I mean, when people hear the name Tuck Money, they want to. It's by default that mm. they associate it mostly with rap. Yeah. But for me personally, I've I've I wanted to know more about your film side, yeah. about your theater, yeah. your theater side. I want inspired you to get into that, and if you may shed light on some of the notable works you have done as regards film and theater. Okay, so like theater, dog. Like I said, I joined the Children's Performing Arts Workshop when I was six. So from six years old, grade one until like form one seven years i was basically just performing the regular stuff dance theater you know and learning how to be this person and as you know when i started my form one i was also starting out as a presenter on kids net and acting on studio 263 and also getting like roles in what was the harare junior theater which was like a professional performance company for the younger performers who are like um, excelling in Chipao and then I played the role of Mangwende in Mangwende's Donkey an adaptation by Steve Juvenice but of um, the Steve McCorney song and there's a play that's called Mangwende's Donkey and I played uh, Machena who's the dog and it's like it was a musical and that sort of thing it was one of the first big productions and uh, I also did a one-man play and uh, I traveled to the United Nations a special session on on children and I represented uh, Zimbabwean children, UNICEF and whatever and I also did like a one-man play there called Tsitsi mm-hmm. and then um, throughout my high school I'm doing a lot of you know Studio 263 and my brother and I are working on a couple of TV shows there was Extreme Entertainment and uh, Jack's Shack and then our company is uh, our production company with my brother is actually named after one of the shows that we produced during the 2000s Check, check. And then um, after my high school, I decided to like take a, a chill pill because that's also after like that whole Makanaka incident. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I also wanted to just get off the limelight, but I had also already like um, found interest behind the scenes. So it just made sense to get off the spotlight and go behind, the, go scenes, behind the scenes, study that, and also figure that out. And because my brother and I had set up a production company, it was like very easy. And Chipao, also the Chipao Media Center gave me a scholarship to then study as an intern with the Media Center. Okay. Paid internship. So, you know, because I'm somebody who's got access to some of the stuff at home and I'm very interested. And so by like the first few months, I'm already like almost a full-time employee and we created a TV show called Ndepi Genga. And I it was one of... Yeah, 
became the most popular TV show and the guys even at ZBC liked it because they were like, I know, at least she, it's being produced by our you prodigy, know, prodigy yeah, so yeah, it makes yeah. sense that mm. you know he's making a better show than us and it was you know one of those things and then from there it's been a lot of like consultancy I've just been lucky enough to be able to not have to really work for anybody so with most of my film and production stuff I do it either with my brother you know a lot of uh, clients commercial gigs you know we did a few well not a few we did quite a number of weddings back in the day and then we moved from that now you know, a lot of advertising, property sales, you know, documentaries. And then personally, I do a lot of, like, documentary production. And I work a lot yeah. on, like, uh, environment, climate, and uh, energy documentaries. And I work a lot with uh, Green Governance, Magamba Network, you know, just uh, to mention a few. But most of my work even is uh, has got, like, partnership with uh, those guys. Because they they are buying a lot of that content. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you mentioned about documentaries. Um, the most vivid I remember was the one you did on gold miners, illegal gold miners in Penelonga. Yeah. Um, is there any other documentary of similar nature you're working uh, on right now? Or I don't know how best you can describe that. So I have a story about peace building in small-scale mining communities mm-hmm. that was in Penalonga, and then another one of the effects of COVID on artisanal small-scale mining, which was also based off of stories from, you know, miners in Penalonga. And because it's a story that's ongoing and there's a lot of, like, issues that affect, you know, communities around, the individuals who are participating, and a lot of them are legal issues, you know, issues to do with violence and all of that. There's definitely always room for more stories like that. But right now, I had, like, diverted to be more specific towards, like, energy transition and, like, waste management. Because currently, the partners that I'm working with are also focusing on, like, a lot of uh, community engagement in regards to, like, uh, sustainable, sustainable energy and energy transition. And then also, you know, uh, for Harare, a story that makes sense for me, which is personal, is, you know, the waste management situation. And I've found a partner who's also working on alternative, you know, waste management, recycling and all of that. So that's a story in Harare. And then the other story is, you know, broad right now. There's a lot of artisanal mining going on around the country. And also I've got another one I did in uh, Mtabazinduna, and it was about children involved in in artisanal small-scale mining. So, you know, like, there are so many of these issues. I will definitely continue to work on more documentaries on artisanal small-scale mining. I've got a... I've got my own personal... Like, there's a song that I I did, and I haven't released it, because I want to make the story uh, based off of actual, you know, real footage that I'm collecting, you know, as I'm working on this stuff. But, uh, yeah, definitely... And and at which point did it become, did it become very clear to you that what 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 happened? What was the point? I wrote these bars when I was walking with my brother and I wrote. They're these bars that I always used to sing 
Uh-huh. I don't know whether we wrote them or something because my brother was a rapper. Uh-huh. My brother is a rapper. He's an entertainer. He's like everything. He's also a pastor, so he doesn't do that like anymore. <laughs> but like, yeah. he's the guy who inspired me to do like a lot of the stuff that I do. So I remember a lot of like the nostalgia feels like walking from school mm-hmm. with my brother and I'm trying to tell him look she I've also written something and you should listen to it mm-hmm. so I always used to recite these bars for him and then you know he started introducing me to his friends he was homies with an MC Zimbabwe mm-hmm. uh, MC Cheetah mm-hmm. Dicey um, Reckless Damage Take Fizzle you know that whole era around urban grooves is also making their own movement and I was just this little brother to one of the guys who had access to everyone and my brother was making content with all of these guys at that time so I was just there most of the time you know and I had access to then start spinning bars for MC Cheetah be like what do you think about this what do you think about that to a point where the next thing is you know I'm a part of a crew with MC Cheetah and from there it's now just you know there's this kid on the tuck money and something is gonna happen and at this point, I'm still rapping mostly in English, and I'm still, you know, talking a lot about money and what, because we were also part of this crew called Long Cash Entertainment. We used to entertainment, we used to run clubs, okay. host gigs, and all of that. And I was also the youngest member of that crew, so it just made sense at that time to be in that crew and to be singing about what we were singing about. But when my boy came back, and then we went into studio, and I was creating with my guys, and I'd also figured out what I wanted to do. It also then took that process to now create the tuck money that became like radio known and like national kind of, I don't know. But that, you know, this guy is not talking about street stuff, Taj Magiva, we're talking about stuff that's relative to the streets of Zimbabwe and not just uh, generic. Is, is, is Giva an ideology to you? Giva is a lifestyle. It's a way of life, yeah. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. So like, Isuzu, the I think the one thing that we always had for us was like, we were not rich kids. Yeah. But yeah. we were, because how's it St. John's Emerald deal? Right. We were not rich kids. So like the kids from Gateway and Arundel would be like, I'm going St. John's in my address. And then we were also not like disadvantaged. So like the guys from the other side would also be like, I know, but at least to me, many access here. So we always found ourselves with like um, peers across the board. Mm-hmm. So even our point of view mm-hmm. was much more open mm-hmm. to understand that with that access, there also comes like that uh, ability to then see other things that maybe just because this guy's from downtown yeah. or from the ghetto, he won't be able to properly understand other atoms. So then that's like the concept then builds up stuff like an uptown so it's he, like you know the Chepa Jecha character for me is this kid and but and he access to this Bali grinded throughout his life and made something out of it and now this guy is in uh, is somewhere better off you know what I mean and then this guy is also now taking over this wealth and Gen- I mean like some inheritance of sorts and trying to also develop further into the next level so from Fombi that kid around Fanongagu Maubra Vainona Borodeo Chiji as the series you know uh-huh. yeah so uh-huh. it's a uh, the idea is you 
at least on an attract some sorts. As much as we're saying Geva is the guy who's singing about or we sing in Indri Geva but lifestyle I found attract some sorts in general because you don't want that distraction you're already too busy hustling and doing other shit so there are a lot of stuff that we do that might distract us from the hustle because now what you want to do is focus on making people see shit whereas just do what you're doing is, is, you need is, to be is, undercover is that, you need to be is that the same point that you conveyed in the song Usarar yes that's, okay. that story is basically letting us know that there's generational growth in whatever it is magic and Abadragangoshan is a street and very dark like metaphor yeah yeah from you know generation to generation but even in but anything it's else. in anything else you know then I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to do a bit Okay, now the next question is what are your considering your longevity in the game? What are your thoughts about the state of Zim Hip Hop at the moment? What has changed in your time? What has remained the same where the creatives are getting it right and where they're getting it wrong? Alright, so like for me I feel like uh, the the Zim Hip Hop game right now is in a really dope space because from crossover tracks like Kure that got people to listen to a rapper and like label the track as a rapper's track and give that rapper like credit for creating already at that point I was like right so at least now it's making sense because now we've got people who can listen to our and then now I mean it just makes sense the hip hop guys are now the headliners and you know we're also pushing that agenda that movement where if we or if promoters are bringing in someone big from out there and it's hip hop then it doesn't have to be Japraza or Winky D it can also be a bunch of hip hop cats who have got that following and who've got the clout and who've got the actual you know delivery so basically it's been a win for everyone it's definitely been a win for everybody there are a lot of people who who talk about like uh, people copying like me for instance voice and whatever and I'm always like but for me it's a win because I don't see it as copying I would say maybe inspired because in the back of my head I feel good knowing that Maybe secretly they actually do listen to me at home and they just can't yeah. uh, admit it because they are hip-hop artists and egos and you know what I mean? But, you know, the truth of the matter is if you're inspired, you're inspired and I can't take anything from that. I'm just like, yo, that's just that's just some dope shit. So, where we are right now, hip-hop, now nah, I feel like Yeah, I can recommend people like for gigs, you know, I work with guys with Guma Gamba, Sugar Festival and I'll be like, no, you need to put this person on like yeah. it makes sense yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it makes sense right now and and also recently we've been we were at the Eurofilm Festival what would you say about the state of film in Zimbabwe uh, considering also that you are, you are a person of a film background yeah um, yeah man and I mean I also have like a lot of filmmaker friends so the community is quite big and there's also like any other industry there's a new excuse me there's a new generation of creators and filmmakers content creators and all of that 
So I feel like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Just fine. It's fine. It's not <laughs> amazing. It's not great, but it's fine because it's it's alive. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that can be done. You know, people need to work more on at least figuring out how to better their craft. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of them are doing really well. And then most of us, we just now need to like just develop that craft and make the industry all like a high quality industry. Because we've got a lot of people who are at this point, you know, barely content creators, good ideas, you know, equipment, and now all that just needs to be put to better use. And the last question, this is the last of the last. What point did you try to bring out in the song General Dealer? Uh, if there's any specific um, ideological point or just I don't know how we perceive it. It's so dope that you mentioned that song because that's also one of my favorite songs. It's just that right now I've forgotten like, but for the matter of like just for the conversation, that song for me is Zimbabwe. I'm singing from the point of view of Zimbabwe. So even if you hear the track in the beginning, I think or in the end. Something like that, but in the sense here, would be, yeah, but in the sense here, would be by Zim. So we are the general dealer, we are the plug. You know what I mean? We've got the wheat, we've got the people, the smart people, we've got everything. So Zim should just be one of those, you know what I mean? Like, we can definitely sell a lot from what we have, yeah. And then also motivationally, general dilaba base. Munwe sem Zimbabwe, munwe guti ugatumuti. Jalan chaka ma bucket chiji anto kuzoti irbone mari bozi ndogo na ugitraji. So it's anything, bro. Like get get what you can from what's happening around you. At the same time, for our country, there's also a lot that we can do besides just complain. You know. So yeah, I think. It suffices. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your time. Uh, such a great episode, and we hope we'll link up for more. Fifty thousand, 
Chill out, deal up my face. 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 Chill out, deal up my face.